Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. It's good to be uh, together, isn't it? As Glenn said, I think if we learn anything during COVID, we learn the value of live worship, being together as God's people. And, and every Sunday feels a little different than before, right? And uh, it's a joy to be with you all. Uh, and to be looking at a topic that you may be wondering, uh, why? Why now? Rest. Well, I think we all could use some rest, especially for parents juggling work and kids during COVID. We're weary, we're tired, and we look forward to this summer where we can get some rest. But I want to share with you tonight a biblical perspective on rest. And some of you are very much aware of this. It's more than just inactivity. It's more than just going somewhere, not doing things, or even binge-watching Netflix, because we know that vacation high doesn't last very long, and sometimes all it takes is a car ride back home to ruin the vacation. Right, parents? And so there's got to be a better rest, and there is. And that's why we turn now to Exodus chapter 20, and we want to unpack these words as we seek to rest well Uh, this summer. Before we do, will you join me as we pray? Father, we come before you today. We thank you for this day that you have blessed and set apart for your people. Thank you that you call us to yourself so that we might behold the face of the one true and beautiful God and be transformed into the image of Christ and his moral character so that we may be your hands and feet here in the city to reflect you, to give your hope, to offer your peace, to give the gospel in word and deed so that people might know you and join this flock in giving praise to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Karoshi is a Japanese word that refers to people dying as a result of working too much. This is not a metaphor, and it's not a hyperbole. It's literally people dying from overwork. This could be a, anything from sudden stress-induced uh, heart attack or a stroke, or in cases like Matsuri Takahashi, it's suicide resulting from overwork. Matsuri Takahashi was a typical Japanese uh, office worker, And like many other salary workers, it was expected of her to be fully committed to her work. Despite her demanding work, even after logging in 105 overtime hours in a single month, imagine that, she never complained. Later that same year, she took her own life at the age of 24. Several years later, the topic of Karoshi became a headline in Japan again when Miwa Sato logged in 
159 hours of overtime and only took two days off in the month leading up to her death from a heart failure. The consequence of an imbalanced life can be literally fatal. We live in a city that prizes productivity and rewards efficiency. And that's why it's so easy for us to get sucked in this rat race and forget the important things in life. By that I mean the gospel, who we are, whose we are, and the model of life that Christ offers to us. And so as we think about this work-rest balance, as we think about possibly some rest this summer, let's look at the biblical meaning of Sabbath rest as we look at two main points together. First, let's look at the command itself. The fourth commandment, one of the two positive commands, begins with the word remember. Why? Because we forget all the time. And science confirms this. Research tells us that we forget 56% of the information within the first hour and 66% after one day. It's as if we're hardwired to forget. And no wonder we forget things like car keys, glasses, phones, and people's names, or in my case, my kids' names. It's easier to just call them by their numbers. And if you've been with us, You have heard me say one and two, do this. Those are not their names, right? It's because I forget their names all the time. But we don't just forget things. We forget the important things in life. Like the gospel, as I said, we forget that we have a good father. And so we live with an orphan mentality. We forget that we are who we are in Christ. And so we define ourselves based on our work, our relationships, our gifts. We forget that the world is broken, and so we place heaven-like expectations in the world that we live in. And as a result, we live with a heavy burden that crushes us, that disappoints us. But what's worse is that we don't just forget, sometimes we ignore the important things. And when it comes to ignoring the important things, we're all apologists. We have an excuse for everything we do or don't do. But we all know how the story ends. When we ignore the important things, like the gospel, including the Sabbath command, we will crash and burn. And that's why God commands his people, us, to remember the Sabbath day. Sabbath in Hebrew means to rest or cease from work. And it goes back to the very beginning of the book of Genesis where God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. And as a side note, the polarity in the fourth command is work and rest. Both are equally important. God expects us to work, but he also commands us to rest. We need this balance This work-rest design found in the book of Genesis is key to a healthy life. Think about it. If we needed work-rest rhythm in the pre-fall Eden before work was cursed, how much more so do we need these words today? And with the fourth commandment, God reestablishes the work-rest pattern for his people 
And notice the scope of the command. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the educated. It's not just for the wealthy. But in verse 10, we find these words. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigners residing in your towns. In other words, everyone, everyone and their animals ought to rest. These words must have sounded so strange to the Israelites who had not known rest for 400 years. Now, as God's people, they get to rest. Not only do they get to rest, they're commanded to rest. How good of our God to command us to order our lives after him. When we think about not only this command, but all of the commands that God gives us, we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And again, the psalmist is not talking about just one or two commands that he likes. No, he's talking about all of God's commands because they all reflect the heart of God. Whether it's a civil law, whether it's a social law, whether it's a moral law, they are all windows to God's heart and they teach us a thing or two about God's righteousness, holiness, generosity, and mercy. And that's why Jesus had such a high view of the law. He said he did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. And by fulfilling it, he demonstrated what is good, true, and right with his life. The law of God is good, but obedience is not easy. Resting one day a week was countercultural. No society had practiced it precisely because it was so costly. In ancient times and in some parts of the world today, every day was a wage-earning day which provided for the family. Recently, due to rise in COVID cases, there was a two-week lockdown in Cambodia. Now, it doesn't sound too bad. Many of us can manage that pretty well, but not if your daily bread is dependent on your daily income. I was told that because of this lockdown, many people couldn't sell things in the market, which meant they couldn't earn money to feed their family. And in a world where every day mattered, God commands the Israelites, his people, to rest one day out of the week. But it wasn't just a financial loss. It was a lot more than that. Listen to this Uh, One commentator, as he says, in the context of the ancient world, the Sabbath was unique to Israel. On the one hand, it was an incomparable gift to the people of Israel. On the other hand, it required an extraordinary trust in God's provision. Six days of work had to be enough to plant crops, gather the harvest, carry water, spin cloth, and draw sustenance from creation. While Israel rested one day every week, the encircling nations continued to forge swords, feather arrows, and train soldiers. Israel had to trust God not to let a day of rest lead to economic and military catastrophe. 
God was fully aware of the cost of their obedience, and yet He commands them to rest. Why? Because resting was an act of faith. You see, unless you believe God to be everything He promised us to be, you cannot rest and you won't rest. You see, because you and I, we forget all the time that we have a good Father, a merciful God, God who provides, God who protects. We lean in our own wisdom and power to do what only God can do for us. And that's why he says to his people, remember. Remember the command. But it's more than just that. By saying, remember the Sabbath day, God is saying to his people, remember that I delivered you from Egypt to constitute you as my people so that you can rest. Remember that I have taken a blood oath to deliver you. Remember, remember that I will be your provider and protector. You can trust me. You can rest. Many years later, Jesus will pick up these very words in Matthew 11. And when he said, come to me and you can find rest in me, Jesus was basically connecting the dots for his people. So let's move to our second and final point, the promise. The fourth commandment is more than ceasing from work, as we said That's one side of the coin, but there's the other side of the coin, which is equally important, if not more important. The command to Sabbath speaks to a deeper spiritual reality. Let's read again verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day. We talked a lot about that and what that meant for the Israelites. But that is not the end of the command. God goes on to tell his people, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You see, when you and I rest from work, we clear out space for the main purpose of the Sabbath day rest, which is holiness. Since the early church, Christians have set aside Sundays, the resurrection day, as a day of Sabbath to gather before God to rehearse the gospel and to renew their covenant in corporate worship. But there's a lot more to Sabbath day than the worship we offer up to God. We are careful in crafting the Sunday worship so that we cross Basically, all the T's and dot all the I's in hopes that our worship will be acceptable to God. And that's important. But there's a lot more going on in Sunday worship than the worship we give to Him. You see, as we gather in response to His call to behold the face of our God, He actually does something every time we meet You see, it's not about us giving to God our worship, but it's about God coming and being faithful to his covenant in doing what he promised us to do. Here in Exodus chapter 31, this is what God says to Moses. Say to the people of Israel, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, 
sanctify you. Sabbath is a sign of grace, a reminder that God is the one who not only meets us to receive our worship, but the one who works out his good purpose in his people. This is what Eugene Peterson writes. Sabbath is not primarily about us or how it benefits us. It is about God and how God forms us. It is not in the first place about what we do or don't do. It is about God completing and resting and blessing and sanctifying. These are all things that we don't know much about, but it does mean stopping and being quiet long enough to see, open-mouthed and with wonder, resurrection wonder. We cultivate the fear of the Lord. Our souls are formed by what we cannot work up or take charge of. We respond and enter into what the resurrection of Jesus continues to do for us. In other words, the command to Sabbath is an invitation to enter into the spiritual reality of being a people of, co- of the covenant by owning the promises of God for ourselves. And the sign of grace, the Sabbath rest, finds its fulfillment in Christ. The writer in Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Moses, Joshua, and a long list of prominent and heroic figures in Israel's history could not give them rest. And that's why God spoke of a rest to come. Here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, it says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also enters, also rests from their works, just as God did from his. So if Moses, if Joshua, if David, if Solomon, and if none of the prophets themselves could secure rest for God's people, then who will give us this rest? Who would then bring the fulfillment of the promise that we read about and we see in glimpses of in Exodus chapter 20? Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The fourth commandment, like all the rest of the law, is a shadow of the thing to come where Christ is the substance and the fulfillment. When Christ said, I will give you rest, his audience knew exactly what he meant by rest. They were able to connect the dots and go back all the way to Exodus chapter 20. The promise of rest that was spoken of there in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus picks up where God left off, where God was vague and somewhat black and white, Jesus brings into color and with sharp focus. He says, and I will give you rest from your work, not just your physical work, but even from your spiritual work. And this indeed is good news for all of God's people. The Jews at the time labored so hard to be accepted by God. They had a myriad of laws, and on top of that, a number of traditions. And if they failed at any point, then there was an array of sacrifices that they had to get it right in order for them to be accepted by God. 
The Sabbath command, however, was never about not gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. It was never about going out and gathering just the right amount of manna. It was not about not looking at yourself in the mirror so you don't fix your hair. It's not, it wasn't about checking the pebble in your sandals the night before so you don't carry that pebble and commit the sin of work on Sabbath. No, it was about looking to God's rest that was to come in the person of Christ so that as we look to Him, we not only find physical rest, but we find spiritual rest. We no longer have to work our way to our Father second-guessing ourselves to make sure that we are good enough, that we've done in right, right enough to be accepted and received by God, but we come confidently as a children of God. That's what the Sabbath rest is all about, and that's the rest that Jesus offers to us. You and I know that physical rest can only last so long. Talk to any pastor who has gone on a sabbatical and it only takes a matter of days before they're tired again. So it can't be about physical rest. There has to be a deeper spiritual rest that our hearts absolutely need. And Augustine was right. Unless we find our rest in him, our hearts will always be restless. And Jesus says to all of us, come, find true rest in me. We don't have to do all these religious things. And we don't have to beat ourselves with a standard that we can't live up to. And then have to deal with guilt afterwards. That we can come just as we are. And Christ is the one who receives us. He accepts us, and he gives us his perfect righteousness so that even in the face of a majestic and glorious God, we can be at peace, and we can find rest. For this reason, every day is the Sabbath day for the people of God. We can live in this rest. We can work out of this rest. We don't have to pursue it. It's given to us. It's ours in Christ. So claim it. Claim this rest for yourself. And let his words comfort you. And let his finished work give you peace. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And Christ, we thank you for the gift of your spirit, Spirit, we thank you for the work of ministry that you are doing even now. Thank you, Lord, that you help us to believe. And as we believe, these words help us to hold on to them as we're so prone to forget. And I pray that these words will bring true peace and rest to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.